Our reading this morning is Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. Answer us when we call. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Hey, good morning. Good morning. My name is Mark. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. Em and I are almost the same uh, same podium setting, not, not quite. Um, all right. Okay, so one of the pastors here, great, great to see you. You guys look great this morning. Thanks for, thanks for coming out on a hot Sunday morning to be, to be with us. Um, I'm going to start with a little bit of uh, audience participation here. We'll, we won't get too gimmicky, but uh, by a show of hands, um, I, I'd like to know how many of you have ever fallen for like an intriguing clickbait headline? Like who's, who's seen the Trump box, as they call it on the internet? Yeah, yeah. Okay. the rest of you are liars, right? Okay, so, of course, that the whole point is that it makes us click, right? Like they want to make us click, and those guys are good, you know? Like I'll admit, sometimes I just got to know where are my favorite childhood celebrities today? Like it's intriguing. I got to know. And then we also love to secretly kind of hope that that those celebrities are, they end up having just as unglamorous lives as we do, right? We have kind of that, that sickness inside of us that want to bring them down to our level. Um, well, uh, just so you know, I went into a where are they now rabbit hole this week, um, and I have emerged ready to preach the word of God to you, and also ready to give you some updates on your favorite childhood celebrities, all right? So before we jump into it here, Jeremy's not here, I got plenty of time. So I, I did my best uh, to represent all generations here, okay, except for Gen Z, because your childhood celebrities are still just celebrities now, but everybody else, I, Joe, I, Joe, I got some for you too, so we, we've got some in the back, all right, so Starting, Kel Mitchell. Does anybody remember Kel Mitchell? He was the co-star, thank you, co-star of Good Burger uh, with Kenan Thompson. He is now a youth pastor and has a devotional book that he published in 2019. Um, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, right, beloved twins, Full House, Parent Trap. They made a bunch of movies in their teens. Uh, then they disappeared for acting, and they reemerged uh, almost surprisingly as these fashion, high-fashion executives, and they're these super powerful Twins in New York City now. Um, how about Chunk from the Goonies? Is there everybody remember the Goonies? Um, he's better known as Jeff, is his name now. Um, and he's a named partner at a law firm, and he's this hotshot lawyer in LA. Chunk from the Goonies is. And then, uh, and then going back further, uh, the last one, Charlie from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, that's the 1971 version. He's actually considered one of the most successful one-hit wonders in Hollywood history. So he only ever acted in that movie, and then after that movie, he never acted again. Um, and then he became a large animal vet in upstate New York, and he still has that job today. So, super smooth transition here. 
<laughs> Jesus, where are they now? That's the, that's, but it, it, when you think about it, like when you think about the where are they now of Jesus himself, like what comes to your mind, right? Th- think about that. Like, where, where do you think Jesus is today? Maybe you're thinking risen Lord. Uh, he's at the right hand of the Father, right? He's carrying our burdens for us. He's, he's caring for us. But the, the question I want to ask you this morning is, is Jesus praying for you in the where are they now version of, of your thoughts of Jesus? Like, is he constantly petitioning the Father on your behalf? And, and so this morning, we're going to be talking about praying uh, for others. So uh, we, we sometimes call this intercession, and that's a way to say that it's the model that Jesus brings for us, that the model that we have in an example of Jesus, because he's doing that for us to the Father on our behalf. And so this is, this is what I want us to get out this morning. If you're a note taker, this is my classic one sentence note time. Intercession is both the way we love our neighbor in prayer and the way Jesus actively loves us today. So intercession is both the way that we love our neighbor in prayer and it's the way that Jesus actively loves us today. So we're almost done with this series in the Psalms. Um, and I hope it has been for me. I hope it is for you too. It's been encouraging you and it's been leading you uh, into a deeper life of prayer. Uh, we desire here at Trinity, we want to be a praying church, right? And this week, we're going to talk about the main ways that we pray for others that are in our lives and in our communities and in the world. Um, specifically, we'll be looking at what it means to practice intercession in the Christian life. Uh, psalm 20, the psalm or reading for today, is it's a great example of what praying for others looks like. Um, but first, I think it's important that we place this in the uh, broader context of redemptive history. So that's what we're going to do. Um, so this morning, we're going to look at three things. What is intercession? So like what intercession is, um, how to intercede, and then how intercession transforms us. So what is it? How do we do it? How does it transform us? Okay, so first, intercession. Intercession, it's one of those, uh, those Christian words that it technically has a secular meaning, but really no one uses it anymore. Uh, so, so for us, in short, intercession is bringing requests to God the Father on behalf of another person. It's the way that we carry our brothers and sisters in prayer. Uh, but even more simply, it's us doing in prayer what Jesus is doing for us today. So intercession is the way by prayer that we love others the way that Jesus himself loves us. So for, so for us to get an understanding of intercession and what it means for us, we first have to understand the role of Jesus as our intercessor. So the author of Hebrews uh, does the best job of giving us this view. And when, when he's describing the resurrected Lord, he's saying he is a much better high priest than the priests of the Old Testament. Okay, so he's, this, is, this is why he's a better intercessor. So the author of Hebrews starts in chapter 7, verse 23. He says, now there have been many priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. Love that. Of course, there have been many because they all die. But, but Jesus, he lives forever, and he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to intercede for them. The beauty of Hebrews, it takes multiple chapters to unpack this, and I'm going to do it in like two minutes here, is that Jesus is both the sacrifice and the high priest that restored our relationship to God himself. See, in the Old Testament, 
sacrificial system, the, the sins of the people, they separated them from God and they prevented them from approaching him in prayer and in worship. And so then what they would do, the people would bring sacrifices to the priests to offer to God year after year to cover their sins and then, wait, and then make a way for them to, to be back in a relationship with God himself. But Jesus, right, is in his life, death, burial, and resurrection, he is the perfect sacrifice once and for all that made a way for us to have a restored relationship with the Father. And then he rose from the dead, right? And the scriptures tell us that he ascended 40 days later to to be seated at the right hand of the Father, um, to be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so in this real, like, where are they now, right? Jesus is now interceding for us in love to the Father, Jesus is praying for you just all the time. Like Jesus is constantly praying for you. And specifically, he intercedes or he prays for us in two main ways. So the first one is it's his finished work on the cross. Okay, so his finished work on the cross is he he prays for us and he intercedes for us as a sacrifice for our sins. And that work it speaks on our behalf and it makes a way to the Father for us. Jesus is the one, is that ultimate sacrifice that makes a way for a restored relationship to the Father. And so that no one, including Satan himself, he can condemn us to separation from God because Jesus intercedes for us and he covers our sins by his blood. He covers us himself. This is what Paul's saying in Romans 8 when he, he says, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So one, he intercedes for us by his sacrifice, but two, he also intercedes for us today. He constantly prays for our specific needs, for our specific needs. You know, Jesus lives in this perpetual presence with the Father, and, and he asks him for the actual things that we need, not just like not just his his sacrifice, which is hugely important, right? But the word intercession actually doesn't mean that Jesus is just there, right? Which I think is a lot of even, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, some of our theologies just say like Jesus is just there, right? But what it actually means that he is actively petitioning the fathers for specific requests on behalf of your life today, right now. Louis Burkhoff, the, the theologian says, it is consoling that Christ is praying for us even when we're negligent in our prayer life, that he is presenting to the Father those spiritual needs which were not present to our minds and which we often include, neglect to include in our own prayers. I mean, even the stuff that you don't even know to pray for, he is praying for you. He's praying for you like he did for Peter on the night that he betrayed him in Luke 22 when, when Jesus says to Simon Peter, he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He's praying for us like he prayed for his disciples. Jesus' heart, it's directed towards you. It's full of compassion and of love. The resurrected Christ spends his days in the presence of God the Father, pleading your case and interceding for you specifically. And and before I go on to what, what intercession means for us, like, you know, the next part here is like, how do we pray, Right. Let me just tell you that this week, for the first time in my life, I wasn't expecting this, um, but I prayed this prayer that just said, Jesus, please pray for me. Jesus, please pray for me. Let me tell you, man, that's a prayer, right? That's a prayer that'll fill you with 
with peace. Like, that's a prayer that'll help you sleep at night. Like, Jesus himself, please pray for me. My wife has this, her grandmother's this great prayer, a great prayer warrior. I always want Sandy to, be, Sandy to be praying for me. But man, let me tell you, like, Jesus, please pray for me. That, that is a prayer. Like, what a glorious truth to rest in. And what a wonderful thing to pray. Man, if you get nothing else out of this morning, Jesus, please pray for me. Man, man, that's something. And then it's in this model of Jesus is praying, of his compassionate intercession for us, then. That's what we follow as we pray for others. It's the way that we then follow Christ's command when he says to love your neighbor as yourself. Intercession is that kind of prayer that doesn't, kind of, doesn't really think of your asks first, but instead asks God to bless someone else and ask him to work for their good. So, so Paul ties this together. Listen to how he urges Timothy to both intercede for all people, and then he ties it together with the intercessory work of Jesus himself. So Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, I urge then for all, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And he says, for there is one God, and there's one mediator, there's one intercessor between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. See, the idea is that when we approach God's throne, we're actually jumping into a conversation that's already happening between the Father and the Son. Okay, so, so when I come um, and I pray and I intercede for my wife, I get, I get this picture of Jesus turning to me and he's saying, I've been praying for Allison constantly since the last time that you were here. Come and join me. Like every time I intercede for someone, I'm jumping in with the prayers that Jesus is already praying for them. I've got this partner in prayer that Jesus is saying, yes, I'm interceding for them. Come and intercede with me. It's this, this act of intercession is so significant that it's actually the main function of Jesus that he's performing right now until, until the new heavens and the new earth. And, it's, and for us, then, it's how we love our neighbor as ourself in prayer as we follow Jesus' example. Okay, so great. It's like, love that. How do I intercede? It's like, what do I do, right? So it's somewhat simple. There's a trick here. It's not as simple as you think. But it's somewhat simple. You come to the Father, and you ask him for the things that someone else needs. Like, it, it's pretty straightforward. It's interesting, though, um, that in order to know what someone needs— you've got to be present with them, right? You can't pray for someone that you know you don't know exists, like you don't know nothing about. And, and to intercede for, for someone then, we first have to know about them and their situation. Uh, we need to ask questions. You need to listen. Uh, this, is, this is what requires us to spend time in community. You have to take an interest in others and, and in their lives. It's said differently, you can have to do some recon to really pray effectively. Um, and, and it's when, when you do that, when you're spending your time and spending your lives with others and, and learning more about their lives, that's, where, that's when the Spirit stirs up that compassionate heart of love that we see intercession coming from. Um, and that's what intercession is. It's a compassionate heart of love. Um, intercession is probably best embodied uh, uh, in the stories of Jesus uh, about the, the story about Jesus healing the paralytic who's friends with the four people. So in the story, four people find Jesus. They're, he's teaching in Capernaum. And they bring their paralyzed friend for, to Jesus for him to heal him. 
And so they're so desperate to get their friend in front of Jesus that they cut a hole in the roof of the, of the building that he's in and they lower their friend down. Um, and when Jesus sees the faith of the man and his friends, he heals the man. The friends carrying the man to Jesus in faith, that's intercession. They're, they're so full of compassion for their brother. That's what drove them to go to extremes, to get in front of Jesus so that he would grant the request on behalf of their brother. And so this is the kind of psalm, as we, kind of prayer as we look at Psalm, psalm 20, one that is full of compassion and it looks out for the good of the one that you're praying for. Okay, so two things saying that uh, praying according to Psalm 20 that we should do. One is pray that uh, this person would experience God personally, right? That they'd experience him personally. Pray that they would know God in their innermost being, that, that they would experience his working power, that they'd be drawn into the love of the Father. You know, following David here, I'm just going to go through a few of the verses and, and, um, and tweak them a little bit for, for our own prayer time. But following David in verse 1, you can pray something like, Lord, please answer them when they are in distress. Verse 3, Father, remembering, remember the offering of Jesus when you consider my friend. Verse 4, Lord, please give them the desires of their heart. Verse 5, the big one, God, please grant them all of their requests so that they would experience God personally. But then also pray, as we follow Psalm 20, that they would experience God in the world. So we, we actually are bold enough to pray for healing and prosperity and protection. We pray for God's actual working in the physical world. Uh, again, following Psalm 20, you know, verse 1, in the name of God of Jacob, please protect my sister. Verse 2, Father, I pray that all their plans will succeed. Verse 5, Lord, let us shout for joy over the victory of my friend. Verse 8, and God, give them victory in all they do. May you hear them when they call out to you in prayer. You we pray that they would experience God himself in the world. And then also just looking quickly too, we, we learn from Jesus himself how to pray for our brothers in Psalm 17, where he prays, or in John 17, where he prays for the spiritual unity and thriving of all Christians. So we should, we should also pray for spiritual unity for the brothers and sisters that we pray for. Jesus says, I pray also for those who will believe in me that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you that we pray for unity for our communities and for, for the communities of faith um, across the world. And a final point on the how to intercede before we get to how tr- intercession transforms us. It's important that we also intercede for each other in person. Okay? So much of the time when we think of praying for others, and, and this, is, this is right, you think of praying for somebody at a distance, or I think of, you know, I have my notebook and I have their name and I'm in my own personal prayer time and I'm, and I'm praying for that person. It's so like intercession certainly contains that, right? That's a lot of the time when we're interceding. But then as we seek to live with each other in community, it's also important that we set the precedent to, to intercede for each other in person. That in our community groups, that in our small groups, we have a habit of asking for prayer. Okay, so you ask for prayer and then interceding for the for the other person as part of our time together, that you actually pray over each other, you pray over the requests, and you intercede together in person, right? That's super important. That's how we build community in prayer. That's what we spend our Friday night prayer nights doing. That's what we do in community groups. Like, it's an important part of growing in intercession together. 
And so for my prayer for us is that we would be responsive then to the Spirit uh, when he leads us to pray for one another. Listen to the Spirit. Be responsive to him when he leads you to pray for somebody. So, so that we as a church, this is my prayer for us as a church, that we would spend our days interceding before God, our Father, together as we follow the example of Jesus. And I just want to spend our days praying to God the Father together as we follow what Jesus said before us in prayer. All right. And then how intercession transforms us. You know, prayer transforms us because it causes us to be present with God and to be present with others. So thinking back to uh, the story of the paralytic, right? Intercessions, it's akin to those friends lowering uh, lowering their friend to Jesus through the roof, right? But we actually would miss a large part of the story if we didn't ask ourselves, what were the friends thinking as they came to Jesus? Were they afraid? What did they think of them? What did they think of Jesus? Like, did they have faith? What did they think of their friend? And also, you know, I, I can kind of get stuck on this. What did the friends think of the apparent sin that Jesus forgave the paralytic of, right? He says, I, for, I forgive I forgive your sins. Like, what do the friends think about that, right? Intercession, it requires you to be present to the person you're praying for, yes. But it also requires you to be present to the status of your relationship with them. Like, it's going to expose that. So, for example, are you jealous, right? There are friends. I know that you have friends. I've got friends. That I've got plenty of friends. So many. Can't even count it. More than the stars. Uh, there, there are friends. I know that you've got friends. I've got friends like this is what I was trying to say, Cam. I've got friends that if they came into a large inheritance, right, uh, suddenly and they called you and said, I just, I just inherited all this money, you'd be praying. The first prayer in your heart would be something like, God, please don't let them spend this money foolishly. Right? That would be your first prayer for them. And we all have this habit of like praying for someone, but then you silently kind of hold this barrier or this reservation in your heart. Like, we know what's best, and we want to make sure that God blesses them, but it's like, God, come on, don't, don't get out of control, right? Like, you, they need a little bit of suffering in their life. But, like, Psalm 20, verse 4 says, I pray that all your plans will succeed. Like, do we really want all of their plans to succeed? Like, what, how does your heart come, like, what does your heart look like when you're coming to pray for someone like that? Like, do you really pray that God will grant them all of the desires of their heart? Or are you kind of qualifying it, like, in your soul a little bit? Like, truly praying, uh, verse 4 would go something like this. God, may you give them the desires of their heart and make all their plans succeed. May you, Lord, grant all the requests. And that can be a really difficult thing for some of us to pray and for a lot of our relationships. But the Lord has this way of commanding us to do stuff that seems like it's for other people. And then it like sneakily flips around and ends up transforming us as we do them, right? Um, and intercession, what it's going to do, it's going to bring up the brokenness in your relationship with the person, even though you're like, all I was trying to do was pray for them. It's like, can I have some credit, Lord, that I was just like trying to pray for this person? And then you bring up all this brokenness in our relationship. But the Father is just as interested in transforming you through intercession as he is in the request that you're bringing him on behalf of the other person. Like, let the Spirit lead you in this. And allow that time of intercession to, yes, be about your original request. That's not what I'm saying, that it wouldn't be about it. But also to be about the healing and the sanctification that comes around any hurts or barriers that you see um, come up in your time of prayer. 
you know, our presence too, as, as we think about presence with others, we have to think about like, how does that extend to those who are far away from us as well, right? Because like Paul encourages Timothy to pray for government officials. Um, it's been the tradition and the practice of the church for centuries to intercede for those who are enduring great tragedies. Like how do we, how are we present with them? It's, it's in these times that we have to rely on Jesus as our empathetic high priest uh, to give us the compassion for our brothers and sisters across the world. We, in these situations, we kind of have to hold on to the spiritual reality that we are one with them in the spirit, no matter how far they are from us. Um, it's, it's in those times where we pray for these great tragedies in the world that, that our intercession, it can evolve, or you might even think devolve into these groanings that Paul describes as too deep for words in Romans 8. Paul tells us that's literally the inner the spirit interceding on your behalf because you don't know how to because we don't know how else to pray. It's like there's some Trinity for you. The, the Son is praying on your behalf. That's how we can come to the Father. And then all of a sudden, like we can't even pray. So so Paul tells us, don't worry. The Spirit will pray on your behalf. Just grow, grow in compassion with the people that you're praying for. I mean, if you've ever prayed for the victims of a shooting or or you're um, or you're praying for the refugee crisis in Ukraine. You just know the pain and the compassion and the confusion. Like that lack of words is so, so deep. But the need for prayer is also so desperate that we just pray and groans and tears to the Father as the Spirit intercedes for our spirit. Man, being present to them in the Spirit is so powerful. That's how God our Father wants you to pray. He wants his children to bring their request to him and to be moved for compassion for their brothers and sisters across the world. So also there's presence to others, yes, but there's also presence with God that transforms us. So not only does intercession cause us to be present with others, it actually, like by definition, it naturally causes us to be present to God. Like when you pray, you're, you're present to God. And as we take our request to the Father, there's, there's this opportunity for us to examine our faith and our experience of the Heavenly Father Himself, because like when you're when you're interceding before God's throne, like when you're like when you are praying, one of the things that you quickly discover is your severe lack of faith. You're like, man, I my faith is way even way less than I thought it was. But you're like, that that's okay. You are you're not alone, and and we can pray like the demon the the father of the demon possessed boy in Mark, where he says, "I believe." Help my unbelief. Like, man, when you pray and you, you recognize your lack of faith, I believe, Lord, please help my unbelief. And then you can ask the Spirit to give you more faith as we continue to bring requests to God in His presence. And then also, as you're interceding in prayer before the Father, ask yourself this question too. How are you experiencing God as your Father and Jesus as your brother as you pray? Do you deeply feel his love for you? Is God annoyed by your request, like maybe your, your earthly father was? Is Jesus himself there with you, praying for you as well, right? Again, just like praying with those, look at those feelings, look out for those and, and those experiences. Look at those as an opportunity to grow deeper in your relationship with the Lord, when those things come up, it's not just a distraction. It's also the Spirit inviting you to understand more about yourself, right? He's inviting you to grow in faith in the realities of God's love for you. 
And then finally, too, talking about how prayer transforms us, I want to close. Uh, I want to turn my encouragement about intercession even more pointedly to you as the prayer, to you and to me as, as the ones who pray. You know, maybe this morning you're like, Mark, great sermon, your best ever. I'm all about interceding. I'm spending the rest of Sunday afternoon praying for everybody in my book here. This is, this is going to be great. Or maybe you're like, Mark, I was already doing it. I'm encouraged. Like, I'm going to keep interceding. Like, yes, I'm all in on intercession. But I want to end today by asking one more question. Is asking for and receiving prayers of others also a consistent practice of yours? Do you consistently ask for and truly receive the prayers of others? Kyle Strobel and John Coe's book, When Prayer Becomes Real, they say, they say this. After wading through our own brokenness, the idea of focusing on others is a relief. Interceding seems like a way to pray well and feel good about praying well. But to truly embrace this vision of intercession, we must allow others to intercede for us. We cannot merely carry we have to allow others to carry us. Spiritual maturity is not just exercising spiritual disciplines until you grow out of needing help. And some of you really need to hear that. Spiritual maturity is not just exercising spiritual disciplines until you finally grow out of needing help. It's actually like the complete opposite. Spiritual growth comes from an increased recognition of our need for God and our need for others in community. We are the body of Christ called to love and to minister to one another. And to labor in intercession is the way that we love our neighbors as ourselves. And it's the way that we allow others to do the same for us. My wife hates this. Um, but uh, sometimes when someone asks me to, you know, if someone tries to do something kind for me that I should be doing myself, like, so if we have you over for dinner and, you know, somebody offers to do the dishes for us, you know, I, I should really be doing the dishes. But what I'll say to them is like, hey, it is my pleasure to bless you so that you can bless me, right? Like, I, I, I want, I want to, I, I'm happy to bless you by letting you bless me, right? So if you ever come over for dinner, you might, and I might end up blessing you by letting you the, do the dishes for me. But the point is, right, the point is that we, are, we need to allow others to bless us as well, that we need to be able to ask others to bless us specifically by interceding for us. Like Jesus, he prays constantly for you to the Father, um, and the Father who loves his children, he loves it when they bring requests for one another. I mean, don't, don't rob somebody of that. And don't rob yourself of it as well. It is an integral part of the Christian life. I mean, I encourage you to practice both sides of Paul's command in Galatians when he says, bear one another's burdens. Like, bear somebody else's burdens, yes. But man, give your burdens to somebody else so they can intercede for you in prayer. Do that in a safe place, right? I'm not asking for you to blast, you know, whatever kids are on social media today, whatever on your Twitter to say, hey, these are all the things I need to pray for. But I do ask you, like, man, share with your community group, share with your friends, let other people pray for, for you. And then also, you can, that allows you, that opens the door to intercede with them. There's something really powerful about being vulnerable with somebody else, allowing them to pray for you. I mean, nine times out of 10, you know it's coming your way right after that's over. Can you pray for me? Like, how can I pray for you? It is this virtuous cycle in the Christian community, right? So share with them. And so as we close, the Lord has given us this wonderful gift of praying for each other in Christ. Um, 
So my encouragement to us today is be encouraged that as you seek to love your neighbor in prayer, and Jesus, he's also praying for you. Yeah. Okay, let's pray.